in Mark chapter 14. As we trace the narrative of his life, we see that he was a human being that went through different situations where he was deprived of so many things. But he was glad, as is written in Isaiah 53. He saw the travail of his soul. He was, he was actually filled with that happiness. He was glad because he knew a generation is going to be born. Children are going to be born through his sacrifice. He had that clear vision. My life is not just isolated. Even being the son of God, he still had choices to make. He always took the right path that the Father had marked out for him because he saw ahead to the glory. We have to be people who have the vision of God's glory upon our lives. Otherwise, we'll be sidelined and sidetracked. And the Lord took that hard path to Calvary. And along the way, he's ministering, he's healing people. People are benefiting because of his love for the Father's will and the love for people. We saw his impact on one such person, this woman that came in, broke open the expensive perfume box, or the box, I should say, with expensive oil, perfume, And she worshipped him, anointing his body for his upcoming burial after he'd be crucified. The Lord had an impact on her where that woman, whatever her former lifestyle was, she began to shed that like some old skin and old garment and pursue the Lord pursued his best she gained such an inheritance in God's kingdom that the gospel includes her story and the Lord made sure it will include this woman's story as a memorial of her now contrast this with someone like Judas Iscariot Right at the heel or the heels of this story in Mark fourteen ten. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. We may stop here and everything that we heard up to this point, the prophecy and the remarks after that just heard concerning the prophetic word that God gave Pascarba to give to us this morning. You may think, well, I know about inheriting and forfeiting, but this is an extreme scenario here. Here's a woman in Mark 14 who surely inherited the blessing. The opposite of that is forfeiting. When this man is a rascal, he's going further than just forfeiting the inheritance. He's actually becoming one of Christ's enemies to destroy his life. This is the nature of the alternate path. Anyone who is not in that straight and narrow path of the cross that leads to glory will be on the broad way. And there is no other way as an intermediary between the two. It's either the narrow way, which means we're all in for Christ, or we are all in for antichrist, whatever is opposed to Christ's will for our lives. Judas Iscariot wouldn't have imagined where he would have ended up, but we must read this. It's in the scriptures, and the Lord has it for all believers to read, so we cannot pick and choose, especially at this point when we're coming up to this section of Mark, reading consecutively to the chapters. And Judas is carried one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad. We're in Mark chapter 14, verse 11. 
and promised to give him money, and he sought how he might conveniently betray him. This was an individual that the Lord chose. And although the Lord said, Have I not chosen you twelve, yet one of you is a devil? You can't send a devil out to heal and to cast out devils. But he was among the people that he sent out. And there's no record, no remark from the Lord Jesus stating that Judas didn't do that for which the Lord commissioned and sent out the twelve and later the seventy. He was doing so good. He was doing so well. But he began to take the Lord's presence for granted. And he thought he can also be among those who can counsel the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he had this irreverent attitude toward Jesus building up within him, seeing miracles and seeing the multitudes fed and all kinds of things happening, being with the Son of God, having him with him in person. He didn't understand the concept. He lost it that this is the pearl of great price. I must shut down everything else and have the qualities necessary to inherit what he has for me. But the goal became dim and dimmer. And Satan's offers became more exciting to him. To the point that he actually went to betray the Lord. There was a, a degeneration in his moral character. This can happen to any man, any woman, any child. Judas is there forever as a warning to people who would presume upon God's grace and take it for granted that God is doing wonderful things in my life and in the crowds that I'm seeing. But I can afford to compromise a little bit on integrity, personal integrity. I can afford to compromise just a little bit on faith, I can allow some doubts to come in and after all, I'm just human. It's okay to doubt and complain and murmur once in a while, maybe even curse, even though it's not as perhaps acceptable. By and by, can end up in a pig pen. thinking that I'm still a lamb. The human heart has to be watched. <coughs> we have to make sure that we're living for Jesus exclusively, and that's the point. The straight and narrow path demands that the Lord of love, who gave everything for us, should have our undivided loyalty. Because he wants to do something glorious in our lives. And the treasure that he asked for us doesn't come cheap. He paid the most expensive price to secure that for his children. And unless we value what he has to offer, we begin to cheapen that to our own detriment. Judas progressively degenerated to the point where money grabbed his heart fully. And there were demons behind the money, the love for money. So there are demons and unclean spirits that roam. They're looking for victims and their first choice or their first preference are believers, genuine believers. And particularly those who have had their eyes wide open, they no longer sleep, but they're very excited about all that God has to offer. 
And so they do their level best to assume voices, shapes, people, dreams, fascinations, infatuations, all these different terms and different things to come to a believer to make that person who was once hot for the Lord couldn't wait to gather together with the saints of God who are really pursuing the Lord, really fear the Lord, really love the Lord, and to learn more and to grow and to have His touch so that they can go and change their world, their families. By and by, as Judas Syndrome can pick up. When the desire begins to wane, the alertness is not there, that something's wrong. I have to seek counsel. I need to seek the face of God. I can't go on like this. Why? Because the dangers associated with it are no longer appearing dangerous. seems very manageable. Why can't I do what I want to do? Independence is not a bad thing. Independence from God is always a bad thing. As was mentioned before in the prophetic word, Adam and Eve lost what could have been. The Lord Jesus wants us to be alert. And this man is not an isolated case, although historically he is the man that betrayed the Lord Jesus for the money. But he is a type of demonic influence that took over a human being totally as we mentioned over and over again never happens overnight there's a yieldedness to one devil and then others come along sometimes it's only when we face demonic powers or we witness demon possession and instant deliverance and the lengths to which witch doctors and other demon-inspired so-called physicians in different cultures do various incantations and they try their spells and charm. And what happens, the very demons that they're trying to cast out, whom they serve, they turn on them. And the devil has the last laugh. So out of fear, they continue what once was a powerful opportunity. And so it is with many religions. There's a superstition and a fear that causes them to continue to bring out the flowers, the garlands and the rice and the money and do whatever the demons are telling them to do. Because the demons are telling them like a thug and local mob, if you play by my rules, you'll be protected. Then what happens? The so-called criminal code of honor is violated. By the very person who issued that to the victim. And they go and take over everything and destroy the person, even though the person played by the rules, quote-unquote. The enemy never fails to deliver on his philosophy and practice, steal, kill, and destroy Lord Jesus, the one who said, I'm come to give them life and that more abundantly. How cheap the words of the Son of God can become to a Christian when it doesn't evoke even words like those which have nothing to do with warning, but a wonderful promise that is unparalleled to humanity. doesn't cause us to be in awe. The Bible says in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the Psalms, but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. The woman came with alabaster box. You can be sure she trembled as she anointed the Lord with that expensive perfume. But the trembling was one 
of awe, not an ungodly fear. Every word that Jesus speaks, every time we read the Bible, we need to have a spiritual self-check. Does it evoke awe in me or has it become casual? At which point there's an indication that I'm on the downward slope. I have to check myself and say, Lord, do I understand what's at stake? Do I know what powers are against this very thing that you've come to promise for me to inherit? There's a fight. There's a battle. And woe to the Christian that will not fight and think everything will happen automatically. Or is engaged in skirmishes with demons unnecessarily because of open doors here and there. The only battle we're called to fight, as the disciples were told, watch and pray, is a battle that God has given us to fight. To make sure we retain integrity at all times. Humility at all times. What a word that word humility is. We have no conception of that word unless we become zero. And stop trying to show off. Stop trying to defend ourselves and justify ourselves every chance we get. Stop trying to look good. To be nice and humble in speech and in social interactions doesn't mean one is humble in heart. When the person understands, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As a practical matter, the exhortation is this morning, lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on the inheritance that God has for you specifically. For each one of us, there's a specific crown and a specific inheritance. Stories told of the great evangelist Dear Moody, who happened to visit a, a home of a, a very poor woman, might have been a widow. And he noticed on the wall she had a picture frame and some obscure letter of sorts. I should say it's Charles Spurgeon, actually, another evangelist at that time. And uh, when he saw it, he knew exactly what it was. And he took that frame and he took that paper and he took it to the bank and he asked the bank manager, do you know anything about this? He said, Yes there was left in the will for a certain person it's actually good for so many pounds the English monetary system there the woman had a fortune but she had it pasted on the wall didn't know the value of it and she lived in poverty now worse than that ignorance is the arrogance to say, Lord, I know you want me to read and pray more. I know, Lord, there's something missing. There's something off balance in my life. Even if I pick and choose which meetings to go to in church whenever I feel like it, and it seems like I'm at the helm of my life, and it's not working, but I like to pretend that it's working, Lord. Would you help me? Put a good word in for me. Because to surrender everything to you and to really come to your feet and say, Lord, now a deeper cleansing needs to happen, a deeper purging, so that I can get to the pruning stage where once I start to bear fruit, I can bear more fruit. Judas lost it all. He had no conception because he became drugged up by the demons that told him, go for the gold, just the money. Many of us 
not all of us, would say, I have nothing to do with Judas. I have no desire for money. I know the trap that the love of money can present, a real root of all kinds of evil, as the scripture says. I'm dead to that. As God prospers me, I will receive it and glorify him for it and with it, extend his kingdom. God will take care of his own. He will bless his people. Perhaps perhaps there are other areas that have a hold. And so the forfeiture that happened with the inheritance that should have come to Judas and should have come to someone similar to him centuries past, Esau, came through some other allurement and enticement and they fell for it. We read recently in this very same gospel after Jesus detailed what's going to happen in the end times he said I'm telling you what I say to you I say to all watch and pray. To be sober means to be not intoxicated with the world. To be dead to the old life the pursuits that thrilled us before even the dreams that seem to be neutral or positive, such as I just want a comfortable life. I'm not looking to be famous. I'm not looking to step on any toes to climb the success ladder. I'm done with that. I can truly say I, I don't want any part of it. Maybe some would say I never had any part with that. But I just want to be comfortable. But that comfort is opposite to the cross. Because the Christian life is not an easy life. If it's authentic, we will engage in battles that are heaven-directed to strip away any reliance on ourself till only Christ is seen. No one can enter glory with any bit of pride. It comes with the cross. Judas thought it was very foolish at this point to continue with Christ any longer. The best option for him was to part company with him, even if it means to stab him, so to speak. Verse 11, and when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Very, very scary the monster he became. He wasn't born like that. He became that monster. And he was a Christian. He was a Christ follower. But he became a devil follower in the end. And the first day of unleavened bread when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover. And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water, follow him. And so on, the Lord says, another striking feature of the Lord's composure, his focus on the mission, is even though he knew this was not just going to be some ordinary death, it's going to be a very violent torture on him on multiple levels, including the desertion of him by his close associates in the moment of his greatest trial. He's truly going to be the man of sorrows. More than we can ever really comprehend on this side of eternity. For our sakes, but through it all, as an example for us that we should gird up the loins of our mind, as the Apostle Peter says, that we should not be deterred and swayed by feelings when God said, pursue a path of holiness, which includes separation and consecration. In your life, in your family, in your job, on your job, wherever you are, make sure you really are holy, not assuming 
because that's the path of the cross. He was separated unto the will of God. And everything that was detailed to him by the Father, including this preparation for the Passover, his last meal, he gave them pointed directions with the same composure that he always had. Because he cast himself upon the Father's desires. And he never was swayed. Even when he knew this Judas is a snake. And he's going to do some horrific things. He thinks behind my back, but I see it right in front of me. He's even going to come up to me and give me a kiss in front of the thugs that he's bringing. As if he's innocent. As if I don't know what he's doing. How deceived he's become. How he's treated everything that my father has given in me. It's trash. The Lord felt the pain. But he didn't dwell on the pain. He kept his eyes on the mission. For the joy that was set before him. The inheritance includes tremendous joy. Unspeakable. Every believer... No matter what we go through, if we go through the path of the cross, glorifying God, doing His will, being found where we should be found, at any given moment in our lives, not that we're Christians, and there is joy unspeakable waiting for us. Inheritance that is incorruptible. It's more real than what we possess today by way of vehicles and houses and whatever we value and think will give us identity as people who are to be respected and who have made it to a decent level in society. The real inheritances of Christ. Are there any culprits in our lives? even this morning, that are sent by demons, even humanistic notions, to be swayed by human sympathy and not do the right thing before God. For the end goal of the devil, which is forfeiture of everything God has for us, in this drama between heaven and hell upon human lives, the Lord says, the ball is in your court. I've told you all the things that are going to happen, just like you predicted about the future. Now, my command to you your safe zone, your key to success through all of this confusion and chaos is to watch and pray. Keep your eyes on me. We use the word prediction. When it comes to the Lord Jesus, we're talking about prophecy. He kept his composure. We need to learn from the Lord and say, Lord, I know what I feel. I know the pressure. I know what the enemy is trying to do. I know what people are trying to do. I know how the devil may be trying to use my own family members to keep me from God's presence. But I'm going to set my face like a flint and pursue the living God. Because my soul, what will I give in exchange for my own soul? And who can ever step up and say, well, I'm your guardian for your soul? No. I'm the one who's the guardian for my own soul. Therefore, I can't allow anyone or anything to keep me from the presence of God and being trained to be aware by spending time with the Lord on all of the subtleties that Satan will bring in these last days, especially in these last days. When a spectacular delusion will come upon the earth, first and foremost, the house of God as a judgment upon those who really don't have Jesus as the Lord of their lives, but they have him as a companion. 
they have him as some kind of genie. They have him as a great moral teacher, a hero. They have him as the leader of their faith. But every time God speaks something sharp, they turn the dial off and they switch it to another station. They want to hear things that will make them feel good and empower them. God's word doesn't adjust itself to our whims because it is a sword that pierces through lies and is a healing bomb also. We must let the Word of God do its work. And then we will be sober. We'll be healed. We'll be on the path that we will never be swayed by any of the devil's tricks. The Lord says, go into the city. The end is coming. But the end is really a brand new beginning for all of humanity, whosoever will. And the Lord loved his own disciples. And he did it for them and for all of us. Go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. How many missionaries who really were missionaries, not uh, travelers and tourists, who can check in and check out anytime they feel, can put a plaque on the wall and photographs. I've been here and there. Look, I'm a missionary. The real missionaries, once they signed up to leave their native soil, They signed up for death in whatever form it will come for the sake of Jesus Christ and the gospel. People like Hudson Taylor going to China. He lost family, children. But like his Lord, he set his face like a flint. He was crushed But he leaned upon the Lord and the Lord gave him many more years and through the tragedy, triumph came because first of all, he knew that his dear ones who were with him on the mission field instantly went to be with the Lord. And the way his wife parted, it's glorious. She knew she's going to be with the Savior and she was fully at peace and she was just concerned about her husband. What a marvelous way instead of clutching after the last moments of life and fighting and trying to get some more out of it. That's what happened to certain queens who said, what I wouldn't give in my kingdom for one more hour of life. Without Christ to do what? Die all over again? In bitterness. But people like Hudson Taylor, they left everything to die on foreign soil so Chinese people can enter heaven who are formerly worshipping demons. Thousands upon thousands got born again through him as he walked the path of the cross. The joy that comes doing God's will is what we should be after. Now, that's a good spiritual checkup to see whether I understand the big picture. Am I going to work today because I want to glorify God? Is that my primary motive? Am I going to school because I want Jesus to be glorified? I want to honor Him. Am I going grocery shopping or whatever I'm doing? Is it pleasing to my Savior? Is my Master pleased? That will show us very quickly whether we're really on the path of the cross or on some comfort ride. Wherever he goes in, say to the Master of the house, verse 14, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. Everything we need on this journey, God has promised to provide. So we don't need to worry about the details. Just about our hearts. Whether we have that simplicity of a child to trust Him and the fortitude 
of a real man or woman of God to not run away from obeying God when things get tough. So his disciples went out and came into the city. They're watching him for these three and a half years or so. And they're seeing how Jesus handles every kind of temptation and trouble that can come upon human life in kind. And although they were dull, self-centered, vying for position, wanting to look good and outdo one another, many occasions just totally grieving God's heart. But he loved them and so he kept working with them. But uh, glorious transformation happened. After he accomplished his passion and his death by crucifixion, the burial and the resurrection, and he came back to show himself alive to them, comforted them, brought them great joy, promised them what's up ahead, and said, now tarry in Jerusalem, I'm going to give you power. The Holy Spirit's going to come down. You're going to turn the world upside down. That transformation is part of the inheritance. What would happen if we had eyes like an eagle? This long-range sharpness to have the eyes on the prize. Nothing deterring. No storm could stop it. Nothing. There's a direct route to the prey or the prize. That's what God has for us. When our hearts are full of faith, Resolute and diligent with humility, swift obedience, not delayed, but swift obedience. We become good soldiers of Christ and we start getting tough. The devil can't scare us anymore. Hallelujah. He can't come and work very slyly in a serpentine way through human beings to coax us and lull us to sleep and tell us how to do the Lord's work or how to follow Him by listening to this one and that one and get all confused. And... But where does the Lord want you to be? They had to be in that large upper room at a specific point in time to receive a tremendous benefit of having the Passover meal, the Lord's Supper. People buy tickets to concerts. They make arrangements and reservations at restaurants. They may make a, a sudden appointment with another friend. Let's go do this. Maybe shopping. Spirit of God would reveal to us over and over again that He owns us, owns our time, our talent and treasure. He's the master of our days. The question for us is, is He in it? Yesterday we heard this, we can do a right thing at a wrong time. We can never do a wrong thing at a right time. But you can do a right thing at a right time also. Men and women of God truly depended upon Him while they had their plans. The plans were always held as tentative and open to redirection from the Spirit of God. But who has ears to hear? doesn't even come into the radar of most believers today. That maybe God wants me to shop on this day or forego my usual routine. Because he said so, not because I felt like I should do something different and be spiritual in my appearance all of a sudden. I can actually ask the Lord, Lord, should I pursue this? It may seem insignificant. 
But if it takes my time and occupies my energy, I belong to another person, not to myself. Therefore, he has rights over my time, talent, and treasure. And when I invest, invest it, that is, in the way he wants and where he wants, and the time he wants me to, it will yield a dividend that will go into eternity as part of my inheritance. That's the truth. Men and women of God who are led by the Spirit of God, there's a graduation and a progress in their lives where God can really depend upon them to be where He wants them to be at any given moment. It won't be a haphazard life filled with anecdotes here and there that I can draw. Well, you know, when I was here, God provided an opportunity to do this. It was wonderful, glorious. But what about the rest of the time? It's possible to be in the perfect will of God where God wants you to be at any given moment in your life if you would desire that. And that's God's desire. They had to be here on this particular day. So the disciples went out. They followed the instructions and found it just as he had said to them and they prepared the Passover. In the evening, he came with the twelve. Now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly I say to you, one of you, who eats with me will betray me. One of your chums, your buddies, your comrades. One among this tight group. The ones who are with me all this time. Practically day and night. You're going to turn on me, one of you. He didn't say who it was at that point. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one, Lord, is, is it me? And a conviction came upon them, sorrow came upon them. Sadly, Judas was way beyond this point. He knew who it was, it was him. The disciples began to check themselves. Now, this checking of themselves didn't need to happen although it may appear to be something dignified and noble they look at their humility and they're so broken they really want to check themselves out to see whether they would be the betrayer if they would have watched and prayed all along they would have known it's not me for sure because I've learned to leave the dullness behind. I'm on point with the Lord. I can hear his whisper. They doubted themselves. That's not a picture for us to emulate of a strong Christian, a faithful soldier. We ought to have such a testimony. If we don't, we ought to acquire such a testimony by a concerted effort to say, Lord, rule over my life, my day, my night, my associations, my outings, my shopping, everything, Lord. I'm coming to understand you are the Lord of my whole life. Sometimes people can hear messages and think, well, it's preaching to the choir. It's a very passionate delivery and everything, but I know all about this really doesn't faze me. That's a very dangerous sentiment for anybody to make. Because when the Spirit of God is reinforcing things for some and introducing things for others, we would do well to take heed to make sure that we are perfect before the Lord, completely obeying Him then we'd have this confidence. Unlike Peter before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, afterwards, afterwards you can be sure. When he said, I will never betray the Lord, it would never happen again. Never. And the end shows that. The way he died for the Lord. Living a victorious life. What a change, isn't it? The most beautiful news this morning as we close, that no matter how 
we have lived our Christian lives and who among us would not lament certain times in which we would have wished that we would have done things differently differently would have prevented spiritual harm for ourselves and for others but there's a turning point and so this year God has given prophecies after prophecies because he loves us the prophetic word comes to edify to comfort to exhort to encourage God says not only am I not done with you yet but I'm going to transform you so that you actually become a miniature Jesus Christ hallelujah face set like a flint to go to Jerusalem whatever it would be and didn't Paul the apostle emulate his Lord and Savior a man who is not a God man but just all man all human like ourselves when they told him including the prophet what things would await you at Jerusalem he said are you crying because I may die he said don't even do that that I may be imprisoned or beaten so I'm ready to do anything for the Lord. He meant it. And he followed through. What kind of spirit did that man have? He had what some call an indomitable spirit, which is what we should have. But I'm frail. I'm weak. I don't trust in myself. I can't. I would always fail. But I've learned to really trust in Jesus. That as I walk with him by carefully paying attention, that's all he says. Just be careful. Be a careful student. I didn't ask you to invent anything. But go teach yourself. I'm giving you the food. Now, carefully take it and get nourished. And as you eat this manna, the living bread gets inside of you. You become a true soldier and faithful disciple. And you will go and do damage to the kingdom of darkness and to heaven triumphantly the Lord explained who it's going to be you'll pick up on that next time but blessed be the name of the Lord God wants us to encourage one another to watch and pray Especially today, in these days, among the best things we can say to ourselves, a way of reminder, and to our loved ones, believers, let's watch and pray. Be very alert. Which really extends to the way our energy is consumed in conversation and behavior because we can have spiritual leaks all over the place a subtle manner in which the devil defeats many a Christian by crossing the line when the Holy Spirit says don't say that or don't entertain that any longer don't instigate this for the sake of company and pleasing people even Christians I don't want you to do this a close walk with God would preserve the communion and keep our spiritual energy from being dissipated. And we'll be able to walk with God in the heavenly places. And as Jacob's name was changed to Israel, he truly wrote on the high places. We should long for more of a transformation. This is what God has promised. And this is what we will ask Him for and believe Him for. And all the loose ends that God says to tie up, all the things to crucify still, we'll go ahead and do it and become not forfeiters of the eternal inheritance, but inheritors. Shall we pray? Lord, I pray that the holy fire of Your Word 
burn in my bones and burn in the bones of every brother, every sister who's worthy of eternal life, who values you, Lord, and looks to you in our own frailties, Lord, to know that your strength will never fail. And we cry unto God with a mighty voice, desperate, Lord, change me. There's more melting to be done. I want it to be done, Lord, this year. Lord, mold me, Lord. I will not refuse the hammer and chisel of the Lord. No matter how painful it is, I yield myself to the will of God Almighty so that I can become what God has called me to be and fulfill His commission on my life. I will receive the crown of life at the hands of my Savior. Father in heaven, I thank you. Thank you for the battles you brought us through, Lord. The battles you're preparing us for, oh God. Through you, there is no defeat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The God who has crushed the serpent's head on the cross. By dying on the cross, you crushed him with your feet. The same God who bruises Satan under our feet, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you're waiting to distribute to your people. Oh, Father, may heaven occupy our imagination day and night. We may be worthy of your honorable name, Lord. Wherever we go, tangibly affecting the atmosphere because we are holy in your sight. We carry the fear of God around with us and we love you more than our own lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for all you promised me personally. For every brother, every sister, through your word, your prophetic word, I want to dive in, Lord. Never looking back. Help us to go forward this year. In rapid fashion, progressing spiritually. So that the church of Christ may expand mightily. And people will see more miracles than they've ever witnessed. Right in our midst, Lord. Spirit of God, unleash your power, Lord. That your name may be magnified among all peoples. That the adversary may be shut down forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.